Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. The thing I'm going to share today is something that's very personal for me because um, I just, by the end of this time, you'll probably walk away thinking, man, I think that pastor needs some counseling. Um, But I, uh, I just struggle in this area and always have like crazy. I, I have struggled with fear and anxiety since I, was a, was since I was a young boy. That whenever I go to people's house, my mom would drop me out of people's house and I would go for, weep for days in such fear and panic because I was so afraid to be far away from my mother. Or I had this fear that if I went around the corner to play with my friends, I had this weird fear that they were going to all beat me up. It's because I, I, I knew that they were intimidated by my body mass. And so... Um, <laughs> You know, like, I used to have this fear that, like, I used to have this tremendous fear that I was going to die, like this weird fear of death, and I was always worried about death. And, you know, I just deal with this. And so I'm going to share with you uh, six things today directly from uh, the teachings of Jesus, and they're very personal for me. So um, I really feel like I've been able to process uh, this idea of anxiety and, uh, and even depression, and I, I feel like I can really give you some palatable, real things that I think can help you on this journey. Now, do I deal with it every single day, every single moment of my life? I have to uh, put these things into practice, and I really do ha- have days where I don't do well. And, you know, um, I, I want to share these things with you because I really believe that they're going to help some of you, um, and we're going to get right into it today and just define the idea of anxiety. Anxiety is an unreasonable uh, unusual and unreliable response to circumstances. It's, it's the anticipation of a negative event, whether it happens or not. It, anxiety is completely d- disregards talent and experience and wisdom and only focuses generally on the negative outcome of something. It keeps us up at night. It focuses our mind on possible future events that may or may not happen. It, 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 the idea of anxiety is the word fret, and the word fret means to choke or to strangle or to, it's like a running, dripping faucet that never stops dripping this sense internally that I'm choked with this sense of fear or choked with this idea of concern for my future. It, it frets over matters that we have no control over. Anxiety is like a rocking chair. It will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Anxiety never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only robs today. It saps the day of your strength. Worry is a small trickle of fear that meanders through the mind until it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Worry is an emotional spasm which occurs when the mind catches hold of something and just stinking won't let go. Worry is the dark room where negatives are developed. Worry and anxiety is something that is that I think every single person deals with on some level, some extreme to the point of needing uh, counseling and needing medication and needing partnership, some on the level where they just, they just have a, a frequent worry about life, but every single one of us on this planet deals with this worry. So let's get into the word today. I thought, man, if we're going to preach on anxiety, why not just let God teach us, Jesus teach us a little bit about it, amen? Like, well, why go to anywhere else? Let's just let Jesus tell us, because he talked about it in Luke chapter 12. Let's read it together, and it says this. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life. 
whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than, uh, life is more than, sorry, I lost my place because I grabbed this water bottle. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store uh, food in barns, for God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Matthew also was present at this time. He concluded that passage of Scripture with this thought in Matthew 6, 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries today's trouble is enough for today so i'm going to give you six things i wanted to make it seven because that's probably the holier number uh but i took i took one of them by them so it's basically seven but let's just do it for six hey michael good to see you buddy first one here this morning is this dealing with anxiety you have to acknowledge that what you are feeling is very real stop denying it notice in the verse that jesus turned to his disciples and he said to them, do not worry. Jesus, the creator of the universe, the God of this world, 100% man, 100% God, walked the planet, looked at these people and identified there is worry and anxiety in your life. It is absolutely a real thing and it's important today that we don't pretend that the worry and the anxiety and the fear and even the depression that we're feeling is not real or not okay or not, not something that we deal with. You have to acknowledge today that it is absolutely real and it feels real and it seems real. It feels and is real. And the word worry here means divided. It means pulled in different directions, weighed down with cares, distracted and distressed. It means the word to fret. We see all throughout the Bible, the, the Bible talks about worry. Uh, David talked about it in Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Uh, 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 Isaiah talked about it in 35.4. Say to those who have an anxious heart. Daniel talked about it. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious. Jesus talked about it. Paul talked about it. All throughout the Bible, we see that anxiety and worry and discouragement and fretting and depression is something that is articulated all throughout the Bible, all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the word of God. We have to acknowledge today that it's real because too many times in my journey have I gone to a Christian brother or sister with good intentions and said, man, I'm feeling overly anxious. And they look me in the eyes with these holy eyes and say, be anxious for nothing, brother. You're supposed to go pray and fast and, and have faith. And I think, yes, I have to fast. And yes, I have to have faith. And yes, I need to read my word. And yes, I shouldn't be anxious for anything. But I just got to stop you for a moment and let you know this is very real to me right now. And your Christian anecdotes don't work like that. 
We have to acknowledge that when someone is struggling in the area of depression or the area of worry or the area of anxiety as Christians and as well-meaning followers of God, we say, come on, just have more faith, brother. Come on. Man, how long has it been since you've really spent time with God? Well, I spent a lot of time with him today, and I'm still feeling anxious. Does that mean that something's broken on me? Am I, is something wrong with me? No, it's because it is very, very real. Anxiety Disorders um, Association of Canada just did a poll. One in four Canadians will have at least one anxiety disorder in their lifetime. Of those, of those people, 50% of them will never ever clearly identify it out loud with their mouth or seek help out of fear that someone will reject them. So we'll start today by saying, listen, if you're in the room today and you say you do it, it's just weird stigma around it that when you get in a room, you're afraid to share how you're really feeling because you feel helpless, you feel like you're a victim, or you feel like, man, I shouldn't be dealing with this, or why is something wrong with me? Or I have to recognize that that is a real, real, real sensation. And that anxiety is real. Second thought, dealing with anxiety, recognize that it is really all in your mind. Jesus, notice here, he says, this is why I tell you not to worry. Actually, the Greek word, therefore, the, the phrasing there for tell you not to worry, one of the root Greek words for that is actually to take no thought of. So he's speaking to your mind first. He's saying in your mind, you have to recognize that when these anxious thoughts come upon you, now there's a difference between adrenaline and anxiety. There's a difference between uh, concern and anxiety. And it's very important you figure out the differences between those things because sometimes if you're going to go and you're going to do some uh, sport or, or go on a roller coaster ride, the, 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 the feeling of adrenaline might be uh, confused as anxiety. But in reality, your body's just going into alarm mode because you're throwing yourself on a roller coaster and about to go crazy and it's going to scare the crumbs out of you and so you feel it feels like anxiety when in reality it starts as adrenaline but what adrenaline does is adrenaline as people who deal with anxiety it goes from a natural chemical of adrenaline and our minds naturally switch it to a fear that I'll never do that for fear that something bad would happen to me that little transition from adrenaline to anxiety is right where the challenge is and that's what Jesus is talking about he's saying listen this anxiety in your life this fear to not public speak, this fear to not start that business, this fear to not make steps out, the fear not to send your kid to public school or a Christian school or homeschool, the fear that I don't want to go overseas, the fear that I don't want to fly. All of these fears start with a legitimate adrenaline rush in your chemical body, but your mind takes over and makes it into anxiety and worry and concern and fret. It all starts in your head. And that's what Jesus said here. He says, look at this. This dominates the minds of people all across the world. He says it dominates their minds. Now, worry gives a small thing a big shadow. <laughs> worry, over, uh, worry over tomorrow pulls shadows over today's sunshine. And this is what happens to us most. It hits us, it impacts us, it impacts us our, our, our endorphins and our adrenaline begins to rush in our brain and it begin to feel the physical effects of anxiety and depression. And when I feel it, I start to think in my, uh, to, in my mind, I am experiencing an anxiety. And you think, this feels so real. And I got to tell you today, it is not real. It's all in your head. Your body is just doing a natural reaction to the chemicals that are firing in your brain, our interpretation is, oh my gosh, this feels so real. It's all in your head. What happens is, is we take this in our head and we begin to turn it to something that it's not and it happens automatically. 
So we have to first recognize that it's real. Second, we have to recognize that it does start first in our head. It is just in your head at first. The third thing here today is this, dealing with anxiety, you have to pause and take control back. I find this very interesting in this verse that Jesus, it said, he turned to his disciples and said, I just imagine for a moment, Jesus is talking to a large group of people and there's probably, you know, hundreds, maybe maybe a thousand plus people there and he's talking to general groups of people and it says in the verse that Jesus literally stopped, he turned to his disciples and begin to talk. When I, when I read that, I thought, man, there's a, there's a pause in Jesus' address to his disciples. It's almost like he was communicating through this turning. He didn't have to turn to the disciples. It's almost like he was tur- this turn that he made to his disciples was a pause moment when he was saying, listen, first I want to pause before I tell you to not be anxious. You've got to pause and breathe. You might, this is a little practical here today, but I do this a lot. You might think I'm crazy. I have this breathing tools I do. It's, they're actually, it's actually called in, in, in psych, psychology a, a full oxygen exchange. And actually, I don't know if you know this, but there's actually a, a, a nerve that runs from the back of your brain right down to your abdomen. And it actually controls a nervous uh, system, alarm system in your brain that when triggered, what it does is it begins to send extra oxygen to your brain because the more oxygen that comes into your brain, the more carbon di- dioxide that is released from your body. And so when you do these breathing exercises, I know it sounds like, why are we talking about breathing exercises at church? It's because it might help you actually next time you're in traffic feeling overwhelmed just start to breathe girl it's okay but you breathe real deep you breathe it up as far as you can five six seconds you hold that breath and what's happening is that when you're putting air into your physical body it's actually pressing a button to send a message to your brain that i am feeling overwhelmed or depressed and research shows it actually helps people who are clinically depressed that when they feel the cloud coming over their head they teach them you gotta breathe you gotta breathe because you're sending oxygen to your brain. There's something powerful in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm about taking a pause. He who waits on the Lord shall renew their strength. And so you need to stop for a moment and pause. And when you pause, it gives you the opportunity to take the controls And when you take the controls back, I find it very interesting that Jesus did go from talking to a general group of people to talking to a specific group of people, his disciples. He turned from a group of people who were there listening to him. Some were the crowd. Some didn't know who he was. Some were distant from him. Some were just walked up that day. And he had a group of people there who were committed followers of Jesus. And he turned to his followers of Jesus and said, Okay, I want everyone here to recognize I'm about to talk to those who've made a decision to make me their God, to follow me with all their life. Now listen, followers of Jesus, I want you to know you do not have to suffer from anxiety. He says, I want you to pause for a minute and take control back and recognize that the gospel message of Jesus Christ truly gives us freedom from the uh, decapitating and and dehabilitating anxiety in our lives. As followers of Jesus Christ, you and I don't have to live like this anymore. 
And that's what the scripture says, that this worry and anxiety dominates the mind of what? Unbelievers. But those who've given their life to Christ, this is one of the greatest reasons I serve the Lord, because he is literally the only anecdote, the only medicine that I can take that will literally help me on my journey with anxiety, because he promises that I don't have to be anxious about anything. And so I take control back. I take control back and realize I don't have to be anxious. Uh, living uh, in God's kingdom and being a part of God's kingdom means that you don't have to suffer from that, that you don't have to deal with it. You say, Ryan, I've been a Christian for a long time and I still suffer from it. Listen, I get you, but I want to give you a word today. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. If you continue to press in and acknowledge and expose this reality, God will give you the wisdom. And maybe I encourage you to get some Christian counseling and continue to read your word and continue to be in Christian community. That is the most important thing that you can do hear my words today group signups right today get into a group because the purpose of groups is for you to sit around a group of table and say listen guys i know we're talking about marriages but one of the biggest reasons my wife and i fight i'm not saying well maybe i don't know maybe <laughs> i'm gonna go there it's because i feel anxiety and don't know how to handle it and so when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I lash out at my wife or I lash out at my kids when in reality I just don't have the power groups so you can do life together and become a disciple of Jesus Christ and realize what it looks like to be a person who is anxious-free and worry-free and depression-free and to totally be the person that God has called you to be. You've got to pause and you've got to take the controls back. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I actually don't have to live like that anymore. Remind yourself, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. I'm a son and daughter of God. I don't have to live like that anymore. The fourth thing here this morning, dealing with anxiety, quickly get clear perspective on reality. Listen to this. Luke 12, we'll read it again. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to, to, to him than any, than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if, you worry, if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make uh, their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Jesus is standing there talking about their anxiety about the future. And he turns to a bird and a flower and says, I want you to get some perspective. Look at the very natural examples in your life. The birds are simple sparrows. They don't have barns. They don't have a bank account. And yet every single day they eat because God provides for these little tiny birds. Think about the flowers. Here they are. They're gone. They're here today, gone tomorrow, stepped on by someone, picked by a young child. They, their lifespan is about this short, yet they are completely gorgeous, wrapped in beautiful splendor. How much more does your heavenly Father care about you? He wants you to get clear perspective and look in your life and remember, man, I'm really nervous about going to this thing and be, but remember, I remember last time I went, I had a really, really good time and I made a really good friendship when I went that time and yeah, I had a few moments where it was a little awkward, those awkward, hey, how's it going? How's the weather? Oh, good, okay, well, this is stupid. Let's talk to someone else now. You know, those moments, but like, 
like, gosh, I remember the last time I was planning this thing and I wanted to start this business and man, like, like I'm just so worried. Is it going to work out? Is it going to happen? Is this employee going to work? Well, the last time I did it, I prayed about this and man, God came through and God provided and God satisfied all my needs and man, he, he blessed me like never before and man, he brought me employees in my business that I never thought I'd ever, man, last time God did this in my life, he blessed me, he cared for me, he provided for me. You have to step back and look at your life and remember that God has taken care of me up to this point. Why is he going to stop now? Why would he stop caring for me? Why is he going to stop helping me pay my bills? Why would he stop wanting me to have a great marriage? Why, did he, why would he want me to suffer with anxiety or have fear? Why would God want me to be a part of a church where no one likes me or the preacher's stupid or uh, people don't want to be around? Or, like, why would God lead me to a place that, 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 that he's going to lead me to my destruction? That is not how our God works. He gives good gifts. He loves you. He's, he, he turns all things to good to those who love him. He's got a plan for your life. He wants to prosper you and purpose you. He's got things in store for you. Like that is the God we serve. And he says, listen, you need to step back and get some perspective. Pause. Get the controls back. I'm a follower of Jesus. Now, okay, I've been here before. What happened last time? Well, last time I realized I was anxious about nothing. And I realized that the person that I was anxious to go spend time with was actually, we had a really great time. And man, I, I now realize that like, I'm actually, like, I don't have to be nervous about that because they, they, they do want to be my friend or they do want to be in a relationship. Or, man, like, you know what I'm saying? You've got to recognize the times in your life when God was there for you. Paul teaches us how to deal with anxiety as well. A very famous verse in Philippians 4. Verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Literally, Paul, this is the, the verse Paul gives on anxiety, and this is literally his, his medication for anxiety. He says, listen, I want you to know, you don't need to worry or be anxious about anything. Instead, I want you to pray, and all I want you to do is be, to be thankful to God. He says, okay, I want you to say, God, I am very concerned about this matter at hand. I'm concerned about whether or not I'm going to get that promotion, God. The boss said I might get the promotion. It's, he said I might get it in two weeks. All I can think about is that two weeks from now, I want to be on that day. When I'm here, I want to be there. I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? I better perform. But all this stuff that happens in your mind. Oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Thinking about two weeks from now. And okay, God, listen, I really would like that job, God. Like, if you want me to have that job, let your will be done. But God, I want to say so thankful that I have this job right now that you pay my bills, that you take care of me, that I'm around people that I like. I don't like that guy, but that's okay. I like everybody else. Like, thank you, Lord, for everything you've done in my life, God. Thank you for all your provision. As you begin to get clear perspective and thank God, the Bible makes a promise to you. It makes a promise to you, and the Bible makes a promise to you. You have to take it at its word. Look what it says happens. That when you start to remember and get clear perspective of how good your God is and that it wasn't as bad as I thought it was and that I, I didn't take back the controls and remember I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay, God, I want to say thank you for all that you've done. I do want you to do this. I do want you to take care of this. I am concerned about this, but Jesus, thank you. Look what the Bible says. <sighs> then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And, and now, dear brothers and sisters, there's one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Now, this scripture doesn't say, God, will you fix my thoughts? This scripture doesn't say, find a friend to help you fix your thoughts. 
and says, hey, you, you, looking at me right now, you fix your thoughts. You apply your thoughts to what? Whatever is true. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is right and pure and lovely and admirable. I want you to think about those things. Those things are excellence and worthy of praise. You've got to get a clear perspective. It sounds like a hurricane outside. I, was, I asked the Lord to do that at a certain time. He got timing off. <laughs> Guys, if this is it, I love you all. <laughs> it's been fun. Our next steps is canceled. <laughs> Number five. Come on. Dealing with anxiety. Stir your faith in God. Luke 12. Why do you have so little faith? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. A, an American physician named Charles Mayo said that worry or anxiety is the disease of doubt. J.R. Rice said that worry and anxiety is putting a question mark where God has put periods. See, you and I have to understand that we have to stir our faith. Yes, faith, we didn't start by stirring our faith. We had to get into the right headspace to get to this place here. But once you get to this right headspace, once you recognize that it's real, and once you pause and take control, and once you realize that it's just in your mind, and you've gotten clear perspective, now you've got to start to stir your faith. Because Jesus said in this verse that those who are dominated by their anxiety are what? Unbelievers. So a symptom or a fruit of someone who does not believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, is someone who is plagued with anxiety. But the gift of God to our lives is that when we accept Jesus into our hearts, he now gives us a remedy for the overwhelming anxiety that we feel, and we have to start stirring our faith. The verse there says, seek first the kingdom of God. That word seek there means to aim yourself toward. I want you to recognize something. In all of these things that we've talked about, God has not, it's not a bit a matter of God do this for me. This is the hard part. God wants to partner with you, but you need to have people at your side who can grab your hand and say, I see that you're unable to get a clear perspective. Let me speak some truth into your life. I'm gonna pick you up and get you out of that spot. We want Jesus to do it for us, and he's capable of doing it, and he will help us, and he will guard it, but you need to have somebody at your side, and they need to help you stir your faith. Look at this verse in Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who believes in, and woman, trusts in, and relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confidence the Lord is, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river, and it shall not see and fear when it gets really hot. Things get hot. Things get difficult. Things get hard. I won't fear. I'm, I'm not going to even see it, the scripture says. But its leaf shall be green. Look at this. In, it shall not be anxious and full of lots of care in the year of Drought. Drought happens. Farmers worry that they're not going to be able to produce a fruit or harvest. Man, if I don't get some rain, we're not going to get some fruit. We're not going to get a harvest. And look what the verse says. It says, you won't have anxiety in the year of drought. Look at this. They sh uh, nor shall you cease to yield fruit. 
See, a person who trusts in the Lord recognizes that when I trust in God, when it looks like there's a drought, when it looks like there's fear, when it looks like there's difficulty, when it looks like my daughter won't do good at school, when it looks like my son is never going to make it through this, when it looks like finances are just going to come in, I realize, wait, as a man who trusts in the Lord, in the year of drought, I know I'm going to produce fruit because God is a providing God. And when everyone else around me isn't experiencing fruit because they don't trust in the Lord and they're stressed and anxious and fearful, I'm rested and in hope and confidence because I know I trust in the Lord, and even when it doesn't look like he can produce fruit, he's going to cause fruit to come out of the, the, the concrete, for goodness sakes. He's going to bring fruit out of everything in my life. Why? Because I put my full trust in him. I stirred my faith to believe that my God will provide for all of my needs. Yeah. Right. Isaiah 41.10, look at this. A lot of scripture today, praise God. Isaiah 41, 10, 10, so do not fear for I am with you. Look at this, don't be dismayed. That word dismayed means to look about with anxiety, to look about from here to there with anxiety. Do not uh, be dismayed for what? I am your what? I am your what? I am whose God? Your God. This is the problem with anxiety in my own life. Anxiety became my God. Anxiety can become an idol in your life. Anxiety can become the master of your domain. Anxiety and fear and depression, you begin to frame your entire life through this this crutch that you have. Our entire existence is now framed through this one thing. When my entire life is framed through something that is not God's kingdom, it has become a God in my life. And here the scripture says, because you are my God, I don't have to look about with anxiety. And I realize this in my own life, that as I begin to struggle with this anxiety, I realize that we are actually only given control over one thing, ourselves. Look at the scripture in 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Timothy was very, very worried that if he stepped into ministry, he was going to be persecuted like Paul was. And so he knew that if he got into the ministry, he knew Paul had been beaten and battered and bruised and stoned. And Paul said to Timothy, just so you know, the same things are going to happen to you if you go into ministry. And so now he says, listen, but God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, unconditional agape love, power, dunamis, miracle working power, and the word self-discipline, which also is the word self-control, which is the root word for the word disciple. And so the spirit you've received gives you the capacity and the ability to control one thing, not the future, not other people, not the situation. The only power you have by God's spirit is to control yourself. That means if you're the, 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 the king and of your self, meaning obviously Jesus is the king, but if you are in control of how you live your life, how this goes, the stirring of your faith is something that is not just going to happen. I promise you, a faith bug doesn't pitch you in your bum and wake you up so you can be full of faith. It doesn't always happen like you want it to happen, but you have to look that anxiety in the eye and stir your faith faith and remind yourself that he's my God. Jesus is my God. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I don't have to struggle like this. I have the capacity and the control over my own life. 
I can control this. I know it feels like it's out of control. And I'm coming from being in a place where maybe I've been in some of your shoes today. You can take control of this in your life. I'm going to speak that into you. You've given up on that. I just, there's some of you here today, so Ryan, you don't know my situation. I don't, but I'm here to speak to your heart today. You can get through this. You can overcome this. You can destroy this. You can, you can, you can. You've bought the lie of the enemy and the lie of doctors saying that you can't overcome depression and anxiety in your life. And I speak to that lie right now by the power of Jesus' name. And I say you can, by the power of Christ, overcome this thing in your life. As we end here this morning, I want to share my sixth thought. And this is probably the most beautiful for me. I've been having a lot of fun with this one. And I think you could too. Dealing with anxiety, focus on this moment right now today. Matthew 6, 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I began to meditate on this verse, and I realized something that I realized was actually a biblical thought throughout Scripture, and I want to say it to you, and I hopefully it will really open your eyes to something. I believe that God has actually given us grace and capacity in our lives, to be able to do all the things he's called us to do, but I believe he only gives it to us for every single day. I am not sure that the grace of God goes from today to tomorrow. Yes, the overwhelming general grace of God goes until the day we die, but I mean that what you need every single day from God to make it to the next day, that is a daily thing that you need to realize. Look at the scripture here. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said to all of them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and da cross daily and follow me. Come on, if you're a disciple here today, you don't pick up your cross on a Sunday and, and drop it out on Wednesday. You pick it up on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every single day you're picking up that cross and saying, I'm a disciple of Jesus. He's teaching us how to pray, Matthew 6, 11. Give us today our what? Daily bread. And then I begin to think, man, what about the people of Israel? Here they are roaming through the wilderness, super hungry. They say, God, we have no food. We don't know what we're going to do. We're going to die in the wilderness. We should have never left Egypt. And then God says this to them in Exodus 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Look at this. Look what the scripture says. In this way, look, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. The Israelites did as they were told, and some gathered much and some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. The one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to him, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. This is a common theme through all throughout Scripture. This is what I'm realizing. If you are, like, living in the moment, you know, John and I are hanging out together. John and I have a kind of a regular thing we do together, have for four years. 
And John and I get together and we're hanging out. I'm with him, but I'm thinking about Andrew Ling and I'm thinking about the, the, the building or I'm thinking about the, the school or I'm thinking about my wife. And I'm just talking to John with him. Am I present with him? Obviously not. But I'm finding that, the, the, that this moment that I'm having with John, God designed before the foundation of time, that at the very moment that I was going to sit with John and at this moment I was going to hear about his life and hear what's going on, I'm so present in the moment. I don't have time to think about all the other hundreds of things that I have to do in my life. I'm just present right now. I think one of the greatest keys to you overcoming anxiety in your life is to stop thinking about tomorrow and just enjoy this moment right now. Some of you are thinking about lunch. Stop it. (laughs) Think about this moment right here. Where you gathered together on the Sunday morning on January 20th, you chose to get out of bed and come here today. For an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes, we sit around and we talk about God. We're talking about anxiety. And right now, some of your minds are scattered all around the place. You're thinking about all sorts of stuff. And God says, stop it. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. You only have enough grace for right now. Stop thinking about Monday when you're supposed to be living in Sunday. Stop thinking about down the road and 15 years from now and my life plan, yes, plan, yes, strategize. Sorry, Nathan, this is a plug. Yes, financially get it planned out and think about your life. Yes, but once you set that plan in motion, you give it up to the will of God. You step back and say, okay, I'm going to enjoy the fact that my son's eight and he'll never be eight again. I'm going to enjoy the fact that I'm with my wife and we have a great relationship. I'm going to enjoy the fact that, you know what, God provides for all my needs. I'm so thankful to pay that mortgage bill because God provided for my needs. Live in the moment. Live now. Live here. This is a spiritual, spiritual dynamic that I want you to understand today. Would you close your eyes for a moment? I believe the Lord really spoke to me just a few moments ago. There is great freedom, I believe, breakthrough in your life as we end this series today. You have been living in the tomorrows You've been living in the soon-to-be's, the one-days. You've been living in your life plan more than you've been living in the present by faith right now today. The Bible says that our life is but a fog. It's but a mist. Here one day and gone the next. None of us in this room know how long we have to live on this planet. So I want to encourage you today, live right now in this moment. He's provided for you and he's given to you and he's blessed you. And Lord, forgive us for it just not being enough. When you're here today and you say, Ryan, I just, I've been living in the tomorrow. I'm living in anxiety and depression today and I just want to take a step of faith. Would you place your hand in the air this morning? I just want to see who I'm talking to today. Come on, hands all across the room. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. This is what we're going to do. We're actually going to just sing a quick song. Just the last part of this song here. And if you, I want to ask the prayer team to come forward. I don't know if Bassie's in here, but Bassie and Deb and Jeff and Tamara, John and Indiana, would you join us as well? Just right over here, this side too. We've been trying something new at church. We've been giving people an opportunity to come forward during the worship time. This is your opportunity to respond today. If you want some prayer today for this area, I want to encourage you by faith, step out of your seat. 
It's something that happens when you step out of your seat, step out in life. You step forward in faith and say, yes, I want to see change in my life today. Come on, come up forth. One of these people here today. Come on, James is going to lead us for a few moments in this song. Let's just worship for a few seconds. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.